Thank you, Becca. Thank you, Wendy, for reading the previous uh, passage as well. So this morning, we're going to be thinking about soil. So many gardening analogies appear to be uh, all over the life of the church. I think every time it must be a prophetic word for me to spend more time sorting out the rectory garden. Um, But as I was praying and thinking about what we should focus on this morning, as I said earlier, I couldn't get past that sense of a rekindling of our Christian imagination, dreaming with God about all that he calls us to. I think as we look at passages that are well known, particularly the parable of the sower, we can think, oh, I've heard this before. I know what this message is. I know that I'm not like the stony soil. But I think we're not the people who we were when we last heard this passage. We have new experiences. We've lived through this much of the lockdown already. Our own individual and collective soil conditions have changed. So would you pray with me as we open up this passage together? Heavenly Father, we pray that you would speak to our hearts about the truth that is your gospel. We pray that you would shape us and mold us through these words and help us to produce fruit, fruit that will last. In Jesus' name, amen. As a Christian, everything we do and think and say is always informed by Scripture. We do our thinking, if you like, in conversation with the people of the past. In some way, the world that is inhabited by those that we read about the encounters in the Gospels or in Acts or in Romans. But the passages are also in some way alien to us. There is a cross-cultural communication that is needed. In Matthew's Gospel, there are many pointers to the life uh, of uh, the people who followed Jesus to help our imaginations get some shape of this. The Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 is that manifesto for a social gospel. But it's all bound up in this word ecclesia, the word um, that we now understand as church. It was the word that was used before Christians were even called Christians. It means the community, the gathering. It's the people. It's not the building. If you were Greek and you said, where are the Hebrews this morning? Or where are the Christians this morning? Or where's the town council this morning? They would have said, they're in their ecclesia. The people of Highcliffe might say, where are the people of all saints today? Even today, the answer would be, we are in our ecclesia. We are in our church. So it is for the passage today. We find a great multitude gathered around Jesus, not the scribes and the Pharisees from the previous chapter. They clearly are up for listening to Jesus in the synagogue, not particularly interested in listening to him by the seaside. But sometimes the most power is when there is the least pomp. The poor receive the gospel. So Jesus goes to the seaside, multitudes gather around him. Where Jesus is, 
the ecclesia, the church, even by the seaside, is there too. Many of the people who were listening to Jesus would have been farmers. The farmers knew a lot about dirt and about soil, certainly much more than I do. But Jesus wasn't teaching them something new about farming. Jesus was using something that they knew to teach them something new about the kingdom of God. So, our four soil conditions. Let's take a look at them in turn. Firstly, the path or the road. Have you ever wondered why the seed was sowed, sown on the road? Well, it's not tarmac. It's more like this. This is the path of the walk over to Chilcombe, and you can see where people have walked and walked and walked um, on their daily exercise walk early in lockdown and then later on from there. The ground has been compacted down. So across the fields in the ancient Near East, there would have been paths of compacted soil where people had walked between the crops, um, not the same neat boundaries and demarcation of ownership that we see today. But in rural Palestine, the seed was, was sown in a broadcast fashion. And the sowing preceded the, the plowing. The sower sows the same seeds in all four soils with equal effort, equal hope, and equal generosity. The sower does so without evaluation of the soil's quality or potential. There's no soil left unsown, no ground that is declared undeserving of the sower's seed. This is not about the quality of your dirt. It's the path where people have walked initially, perhaps where things have been squashed, perhaps where things have been trodden down, where the seed bounces off. It just won't embed in the soil. As you think about that this morning, I wonder what are those things that have been said to you that have squashed you or restricted the impact of the gospel? What are those can'ts or those shouldn'ts or those mustn'ts? What Jesus said, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. That is what's sown on the path. The ground was hard. If the seed is left on the surface of the soil and the birds will come and snatch them away. But what's interesting about this is Jesus doesn't say the person doesn't get it. Jesus says the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. Jesus is not content with concluding that the problem is the people are not interested. This was a spiritual activity. We were talking a little bit about this. There's a, uh, a group of people I was invited to sit and have coffee with or stand at a distance and have coffee with on Gordon Avenue on Friday morning. We were talking a bit about how we reach those who are not interested in finding out about Jesus. Despite the hardness of people's hearts, it's not hopeless. Something can always be done even with packed down soil. Something can be done to plow up the hard, calloused soil of our human hearts. You might know people who have no interest in spiritual things whatsoever. You might think, well, nothing is going to get through to them. But many things in a person's life 
happened that caused that soil to begin to break up. It isn't an overnight process. We need to be in this for the long haul. But the Holy Spirit begins to bring about changes in the outer surfaces as we pray for people. Plowing, though, plowing the path in particular, is hard work. It would be difficult to plow the path that we saw in the video so that we might also be able to grow there. But that's when we, the ecclesia, the church, the community, the friends, the family, are supposed to work together to overcome those difficulties. So what does plowing mean? It means fellowship. It means companionship. It means love and generosity and hospitality and discipleship and teaching and nurturing and asking questions and answering questions. But as Christians, we must also be just as alert to the hardening of our own hearts, perhaps by indifference or apathy. Not taking a ho-hum attitude towards the things of God. Are there things that have become a, a no-go area? Things that just look too difficult? Are there things that have happened in our community? Things that have happened in the past that are preventing the word of God from taking root? What does this passage, this bit about the path, have to say for us as the church today? Or do we need to be praying together that would bring about change? In Hosea chapter 10, verse 12, we read, Break up your unplowed ground, for it is time to seek the Lord until he comes. That's the path. What about the rocky ground? Well, discipline is needed to work the soil. Rocks keep reappearing. Soil is a constantly changing situation. We must have dug the same bits in the rectory garden over and over again, and we keep finding new rocks. Rocks actually can be quite useful. They're just often in the wrong place. There's stuff from our life, our past, stuff we need to deal with, the baggage that we carry, the attitudes that we have, the ways that we speak to people, bitterness or resentment or anger or unforgiveness. We're really sad not to be going to new wine this year. But we're excited that we can join in online. We love new wine. We love, uh, we've been probably almost every year since Molly was in Pebbles, the tiny uh, little ones. Pebbles, then Groundbreakers, then Boulder Gang, then Rock Solid. We've been to new wine with people who've had a little tiny spark of faith. Tiny spark of faith. Who have heard the gospel sung and spoken and lived out and they've blossomed into great giants of faith. Some of those same people have also fallen away. Sometimes people receive the word of God for a time, and for a time they're doing really well. Then they might become offended by something. It could be a little thing. They stop gathering. They stop going to church. Galatians 5 verse 7 says, you were running a good race, Paul writes. Who cut in on you and stopped you from obeying the truth? Can you say today that you've made that firm decision, the daily choice to serve the Lord over the long haul, rain or shine, putting down 
roots firmly in good soil, getting the rocks out of the way, establishing good habits that will help you to grow to a good root system that will not wither and die when the trials come. As a church, as a community, what are the rocks that we need to move out of the way? Today, where do we find rocks in our own lives that are preventing our roots from going down deeply? So then the weeds, the thorns, the temptations, those things that take root in our life that don't belong there, we all face those. Weeds need pulling up, the roots and all. Sometimes that means removing some stuff from uh, some stuff that we want to be there. That in the that's just, sometimes it means removing stuff that we want to be there in the long run, but that actually needs clearing out the way, so we can make sure we're definitely dealing with the weeds, temptations in thought and word and deed. They choke out God's word, His unique call on each one of our lives. Weeding can actually be quite therapeutic, however frustrating and difficult it might seem. But often it's not as hard as we think. Some weeds grow to be very big. We had a weed in our last house down by the compost heap, which was taller than I am. And it appeared almost overnight. And it looked like we're going to have to go and cut it down with uh, axes. And uh, we're going to have to get some heavy machinery in to remove it. But actually it had no substance at all. It just fell over and snapped and had no roots, just didn't belong there. It really isn't as difficult as plowing the paths and moving the rocks, despite how it might seem. Today, there are so many choices, things that take us away from spending time with God, things that just consume all of our time. So there is no time left for the spiritual things. Our spiritual life gets choked out often so subtly that we don't even know that it is happening. Although there is growth that takes place. There is a promise of fruit, but it doesn't materialize. So what are the cares of the world that are taking up your time this morning? It could be lots of things and not necessarily bad things. What are the things that we are putting our confidence in that stop us putting our confidence in God. When we allow the thorns to take over our life, we stop the gospel being the priority. What are the things that are choking the life in the church today? What are those things that we need to move out the way? Perhaps something that once was part of our field, but is now in the wrong place and needs to be moved. Are there are things that we are doing that are draining us and not bringing new life. But then finally, what about the good soil? What was sown on good soil? This is the one who hears and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and another thirty. It doesn't say that the good ground doesn't have stones or thorns. But it is a ground that has been tended to. Our spiritual life is an ongoing process. You can't stay away from church for weeks at a time and expect to see the harvest that is spoken of here. 30, 60, 100 times as much as was sown. The soil of our hearts can't just be neglected. 
and expect it to automatically produce a good crop? How do we know that we have good ground? John 15. If someone remains in me and I in them, they will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing, Jesus says. This is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves as my disciples. The soil that produces a small crop is still called good. The 30-fold crop is just as pleasing to Jesus as the 60 or 100-fold crop. I spoke last week about God's economy not being the same as ours. It's not about volumes or successes or achievements. It's about what we are called to do in the moment. So what is your soil condition like today? Remember that all soil can be cultivated. Miracle grow can be added and with patience and change. A crop can be produced. We can let go of those things that choke out the fullness of life. We can celebrate with those who have put down roots over the long haul. We can say no to what crowds God out. And yes to a way of life that will begin producing a good harvest. We're going to sing in a moment. We're going to respond to God's word recognizing the difficulty and the challenge that we all face. So I wonder if wherever you are, you might stand with me as we just pray and ask God to come by his spirit and minister to us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the call on each one of us. We thank you for your, the body of your son, the church, gathered together wherever we may be. And Lord, this morning we lay before you those areas of our life that have been compacted and hardened. Those areas of our life that need work to move the big rocks and baggage away. Those areas of our lives where temptations and distractions and other areas that separate us from you have grown up. And Lord, we ask that you would help us to, to know what makes good soil. That in spite of the hardships and the difficulties that we all face, we may choose to praise you. For your name is holy. Come, Holy Spirit. <laughs>